Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's look to God in prayer. Father, you are our Father. We are your children, Lord, and as your children, we so much need to be taught and guided by our Father. And so, Father, we pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding and, and teach us your word to guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you open your Bible now and turn to Genesis chapter 33 and verse 16, Genesis 33 and verse 16. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, and Jacob journeyed to Sukkot and built him a house and made booths for his cattle. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sukkot. And Jacob came to Shalom, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padanaram and pitched his tent before the city. And he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of silver of money. And he erected there an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. Now, here we are. At the end of our last study there, we watched as Jacob, we were, we were with them as he traveled in verse 17 to a place that was later named in memory of the temporary booths that he set up there for his animals. It's called Sukkot. There, Jacob, he made these frames out of the the branches there for, for shelter. He put them all together so that they would nicely support the fronds that would create the shade, that would create the cover for the roof. And those booths are called Sukkot. And so the animals, they needed immediate shelter from the elements, so he went to make those right away. He made those Sukkot right away. Meanwhile, Jacob and his group there, they would live in tents while Jacob did something here that he had never done before. He never did this before. What was it? What was it that he did here? We're just told, it says here, very simply, he built a house. Now, it may seem relatively unimportant to you that he built a house, and okay, that's fine. And so it seems almost like a statement in passing when you look at verse 17, when it's just the simple words, and built him a house. But as a matter of fact, this is a very important statement when it says that Jacob built himself a house. And in order to see how important this statement is, we just need to kind of consider a few questions here. First of all, why? Why did Jacob build himself a house? And the second question is, what benefits did did Jacob have by building himself a house here? And the last and the most important question is, was that a good idea? Was that a good decision that Jacob made for himself when he built himself a house? Okay, let's think about this. Why did Jacob build himself a house? I mean, 
He never built a house before. Jacob never built a house before. And so, obviously, Jacob thought, be nice to have a house. Be nice to have a house of his own. Why not? I mean, since Jacob has left home, he's always lived in tents ever since he was on the run. And so, you know, we could kind of feel with them and, and feel that, you know what? Yeah, build a house. Finally settle down on his own. What's wrong with that? I mean, all right. And then we ask the question, well, what benefits did it bring to Jacob when he built the house? Well, this remember now, in Jacob's life, this is really a time of renewal. I mean, Jacob, when he was building the house, I mean, we can, during this time of his life, I mean, he can put certain worries out of his head. He's not worrying anymore about being killed by his brother who hates him. He's not worrying anymore about getting the right wife. He's not worrying anymore about the jealous hatred in his home between his wives. He's not worrying anymore about how he's going to end up and get his own livestock. And so Jacob, he just needed to get away from all these worries. And building a house was a therapy for him to get away from his worries. And we could just picture Jacob out there, all that's behind him, all those worries, all those troubles. And now what's he doing? We see him out there. He's choosing the best place to build his house. We see him. He's out there. He's plant. We're watching him now. He's planning the design of the house. So this will be in this direction. That'll be in that direction. The door. And he's organizing his family, you know. Now we got to make the lumber for the house. We got to get all the materials here. We're going to construct the house. And we can just feel this excitement in Jacob as he must have been so refreshed during this period of building his house. And he's thinking to himself, this is going to be my place. This is going to be my place, and, and this is finally going to be where I'm going to settle down. I'm going to live here in peace for the rest of my life. All the troubles are behind me. And so really when we come and we look in verse 17, and it says about Jacob, he built him a house. It's nice. And it doesn't say Jacob was building a house. It just says he built the house. That was telling us that he completed the house. The house was finished. And so there's Jacob. He's got his house built. And it really looks like Jacob's happy. He's settling down now in his own house. We can imagine Jacob sitting on the front porch, a rocking chair, sighing, home, sweet home. There's Jacob. It seems so nice as we picture Jacob there in his own house. Finally, just one problem. Just one little problem. And the problem is the next verse. Verse 18. Verse 18 says, and Jacob came from Padanaram. See? He's coming now from Padanaram, and he's arriving here in this city of Shechem, and he's, he's before the city. Now, we're, we're looking at verse 18, and we're trying to put this together. Verse 17, wait a minute, he built a house over in Sukkot. And now he's, he's coming into this, this new area here, this city of Shechem, and we're saying, whoa, 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 whoa what happened? What happened between verse 17 and, and 18? I mean, verse 17 Jacob journeyed to Sukkot and built him a house. And so we expect him to stay in the house already. You built the house. It took so much trouble and everything. Stay in it. But in verse 18, he's not in the house anymore. We read Jacob came to Shalom, the city of Shechem, and he pitched his tent there. Jacob pitched his tent there. Verse 17, he built the house. Verse 18, he pitched his tent. Verse 17, he's living in a house that he built. Verse 18, he's back living in a tent again. Who would have thought it would? When you build a house, you live in the house, and you get rid of the tent. Eh, but why is Jacob now in verse 18 living in a tent and not in the house he built? I mean, we can imagine his family asking the same question. I mean, uh, the, verse 17, we build the house. Verse 18, we left, we're gone. We can imagine they have family saying, 
Yeah, Dad, just exactly why did we spend all that time building a house only to not live in it and go back to living in a tent? I mean, among themselves, we could hear them talk. What's wrong with Dad? What's wrong with him anyway? He builds a house and then he abandons it. And we're with the family. We're asking the same questions. We read in verse 18, you know, that he pitched his tent before the city. We're saying, well, what happened to the house he just built? Something, something in between verses 17 and 18, something made Jacob decide to leave the house he built and go back to living in a tent again. What was it? What was it? In verse 17, Jacob has come to Sukkot, and he builds a house, and he's living in the house. And in verse 18, he comes to the city of Shechem. Why did he move on to Shechem? What's so special about Shechem that made Jacob decide to abandon his house and leave Sukkot? And when you look at verses 17 and 18, what's the difference between Sukkot and Shechem? What is said in verse 17 about Shechem that's not said about Sukkot? How is Shechem described in verse 18? How is Shechem described in verse 18? Shechem, verse 18, which is in the land of Canaan. Ah, aha, the clue. Shechem is in the land of Canaan. Shechem is stated as being in the land of Canaan because it is in the land of Canaan. Sukkot is not stated as being in the land of Canaan because Sukkot is not in the land of Canaan. Sukkot is on the east side of the Jordan River. Canaan is on the west side of the Jordan River. And Shechem is in Canaan on the west side of the Jordan River. Now we understand why Jacob left his house that he built in Shechem. After Jacob put all that time, all the resources, all the strength to build this house, and he got himself settled in, he started to think. Started to think about, I mean, let me kind of go over in my mind here. What did God tell me? Let's see now. Now that I'm in my house and I got some time to think and reflect, Oh, he remembers back to Genesis chapter 31. We can turn back there, verses 3 and 13. Genesis 31, 3 and 13, as Jacob is reflecting back, and he remembers all. Genesis 31, 3. I remember the Lord said unto Jacob, return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. He's sitting there on his porch, he says, I was wondering why I was feeling a little lonely here. Because he says, I'm supposed to go back to the land of my fathers and my kindred, and then their promise I'll be with thee. And then it says in Genesis 31, 13, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. So he's sitting there in his house and he's thinking, oh, God told me to go back to the land of my kindred. We can just picture him there rocking on his rocking chair of the porch that he built and saying to himself, something doesn't feel right. Let me see, something's wrong. Let's see if I can figure it out. Now let's see, now where did God tell me to go? He told me to go to the land of my fathers and the land of my kindred. Now that would be the land of Canaan and I'm in Sukkot, which is not the land of Canaan. Oy, gewalt! He says, oy, gewalt, I made a wrong turn. I turned east when I should have gone west. I'm not in the land of Canaan. I'm not where I should be. 
And can't you just picture the family council as he calls everybody together and Jacob says, okay, everybody, we've all got to move. We all, we're going to leave the house we built. The family says, why? Why? We're happy here. We got a nice house that we built here. We got a nice place to live. Why do we have to leave? And Jacob says, blame me. I made a mistake. God told me to go to the land of Canaan. I ignored God and we have to leave. And the family says, how could you make a mistake like that? And how could Jacob make a mistake like that? How could Jacob make a mistake like that? Hmm. What did Jacob, what did he do when he left Sukkot? He abandoned a house. Now, can you imagine the next person coming to that, or the house coming along and saying, look at this, an abandoned house, a nice house, all built, ready to move into. Wonder who did this? Wonder who built this house and then abandoned it? That was a loss for Jacob. We can count that up as loss for Jacob. How could Jacob have avoided building a house and then having to abandon it? What did Jacob not build in Sukkot that he did build in the land of Canaan? Well, the last verse in this chapter, in verse 20, it tells us he erected there an altar and called it El Elohe Yisrael. Maybe if Jacob, just maybe, if Jacob had built an altar first in Sukkot, then he would not have wasted his time building a house, you think? Can't you imagine Jacob saying, first things first, I need to build a house in Sukkot first, and then I'll get around to building the altar for God. Oh, that's a trick of the devil. That's in the devil's playbook right there to get us to think the to-do list is first and God is second. But the to-do list never seems to get done. And so God never seems to be gotten around to. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, no, 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 not to-do list first and God second. God first and the to-do list, you don't even have to worry about it. It's not the to-do list first and God second. When he said in Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these things shall be added unto you. And all these things are chump change compared to seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first God and all these things are the to-do list. Ah, they'll be added to you. Jacob wasted all that time all those resources, building a house that he ended up abandoning. And Jacob would not have built and abandoned that house if he would have put God first and built the altar first in Sukkot because if Jacob was at an altar in Sukkot, then God would have told him, I told you to go to the land of Canaan and you're not in the land of Canaan. And then Jacob would have said, Akhtaliba, what have I done here? He would have realized he was in the wrong place and not wasted his time building a house and having to abandon it. That's why it's so important for us to have morning devotions with God before we launch into the day. Our morning devotions with God, that's our verse 20, and he erected there an altar and called it El Elohe Yisrael. If our name is Sam, every morning we have a devotion, then we erect an altar to God and we listen to God by saying, El Elohe Sam, God, the God of Sam, then we listen. If during the day we're tempted to venture into some project like building a, a something, a house, you know, God will say to us before we are tempted in the morning, Sam, 
It may look like a great opportunity, but don't you build a house where you are. And other people may look at it and may not understand why we don't jump into that great opportunity. I remember our missionary, Phil Caldwell, who, uh, before he went home to heaven, he had a wonderful, effective ministry on radio, with Transworld Radio, and a mailing ministry to the Jewish people all over Europe and Russia. And he lived and he worked from his flat in London. And Phil's flat in London was in a place called Dulwich. And that building that he was in had three floors, and Phil and his sister were living on the second floor, and they were paying about $600 a month. Yeah. And, you know, and Dulwich was kind of a dangerous area. And I remember I would take the train to, to Elephant and Castle there, and, which is also not exactly the safest area. But anyways, I'd get out there, and I'd get in a taxi, and I would say, I'd tell him, I'd say, take me to Dulwich. And the taxi cab driver would turn around and stare at me like, you know, you sure you want to go to Dulwich? I said, yeah, take me to Dulwich. Now, the building itself was worth about $300,000. And the lady who owned the building, she loved the Lord. She loved the work that Phil and June were doing. So she wanted to sell the building. She was getting old. She wanted to sell the building. And so because she loved the Jewish work that Phil and June were doing, she offered that building to Phil for $30,000, one-tenth, less than one-tenth of what it was worth. And when Phil explained it to me, I thought to myself, oh, that's a good deal, Phil. You ought to take it. Yeah. And Phil says, well, I have to take it to the Lord in my devotion times and pray about it. And he did. And he came back and he said, no. I've decided, no, I'll just go ahead and move on to another place and not buy the building. And I said, Phil, what? This is such a great deal. You should do it. Phil says, no. Phil moved on. He rented a small house next to a church in Croydon for $850 a month. Croydon's also not exactly a safe area. But what happened was that Phil continued seamlessly without any interruptions, any distractions in the Jewish work with the radio ministry, with the radio being translated into Russian, going out all over Russia, and with the mailing ministry from Croydon with no interruptions. Meanwhile, back in Dulwich at that building that was the great deal, what happened? The mortar fell out between the bricks, and it took a huge expense and time to remortar that building. And if Phil was back there, it would have sucked his time and resources because now he's got to remortar the building. And I looked at that. I thought a lot about it. And I thought, you know what Phil did? He built his verse 20, El Elohe Phil, God, the God of Phil. He listened to God. During Phil's devotion times, God guided Phil to walk away from the good deal in Dulwich and continue uninterrupted in his work of reaching European and Russian Jews with the gospel. Now, the reality is is that Phil didn't live that much longer until he went to heaven in that place. And as I looked back at it, I thought, boy, you know, because I visited him in both places often, and I thought to myself, you know, looking back on it now, he was able to get that many more broadcasts out. He was able to get that many mailings out. He was able to write that many more booklets for Jewish people, and that many more Jewish people were reached with the gospel, as opposed to he was able to get that many more bricks remortared on a building that was dead. And I thought, that was of God. That was of God. 
God does not want to see us waste our time, waste our resources constructing houses we end up walking away from abandoning. And as we see Jacob building an altar for God, as we see him not building, I should say, he didn't do it. As we see him not building this altar for God in Sukkot, we see him, we see a big mistake that he made, and he built a house. Whenever I read this verse, I always ask myself, what houses am I building? Because I haven't built first the altar to God and gotten direction from God. What am I wasting my time and resources and my strength on, which is limited, because I haven't built first the altar to God and got the direction? Jacob did not build an altar to God when he was back there at Sukkot, and it cost him. And you look at the land that's there, that was there, just picture it in your mind. Picture in your mind the land that was there at Sukkot, and he's okay, here's my room for my house, here's my room for my cattle, and where's the room for God? No, there's no altar. There's no room for God. Jacob did not make room for God. Jacob made room for himself, and he built a house. But Jacob did not make room for God. It's just almost as if we can hear God say, I need a little room here, Jacob, to work in, if you don't mind. A little room, please. You know, we take that, and we look at ourselves, and we say to ourselves, how do we make room for God? How do we give God room? We give God room when we give God our emptiness. When we give him the emptiness of our heart, the land of our heart, and we say to him, God, please fill me because I'm empty. We give God room when we give God our weaknesses. When we come to him, we say, oh, God, I give you my weaknesses so he can make us strong. But we don't give God any room when we say, empty? I'm not empty. I'm quite full and satisfied, thank you very much. Then God says, well, then I don't have any room to fill you if you're not empty. We don't give God any room when we say, I'm strong. I'm very strong. I feel great. Oh, what a beautiful morning. I feel great. And God says, you feel great? You feel like you're strong? I don't have any room to strengthen you. That was the Laodicean church. They did not give God any room when they said in Revelation 3.17, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art really wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So what did God do? That was Revelation 3.17. He does something. The next verse, Revelation 3.18, what does he do? He counsels them to give me some room. Give me some room by saying that you're poor, you're naked, and you're blind. That's what he says in Revelation 3.18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, pride in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. God was saying to them, if you don't give me any room, I can't do anything for you. I can't do anything for you if you don't give me any room. By coming empty and naked and blind, then I don't have any room. I don't have any room to work.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. On opening day, September 25th, we'll have Phil's Barbecue with special guest musician Jim Earp. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 